0: Hi, and welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast. Pantsuit Nation is an online community of 3.8 million people who have come together to resist the current administration through activism, advocacy, and the power of personal narrative. My name is Libby, and I'm one of the co-founders of Pantsuit Nation, and I'm here with Courtney. Hi. And uh, yeah, we're recording the podcast a little bit early this week, so if there's any major news that happens between now and Thursday, uh, you might hear me pipe in with a little update. But um, it's Monday. It's a new week. There's a lot going on. What's on your mind, Court?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's um, there's a, a couple of things running through my head today. Um, I was... You know, I've been watching the news, as I as I tend to do, and just the images coming out of Syria are um, so heartbreaking, and I've just been thinking a lot about um, what's happening to the people in that country, and they've been um, embroiled in war now for um, over seven years, and the use of chemical weapons on people, seeing the images of kids, it's just really, really hard um, to face that that thing that kind of thing is happening and and um i just it's one of those things that makes me feel really helpless um that i i don't know how to help i don't know what to do um but i i think of like wanting to make sure that we have the right people in office so that they can be making the decisions that our country can do to to intervene and help in those situations but right now i'm just feeling like i don't know it's just really awful
0: yeah yeah Agree. And um, it is hard to know what to do. And I think there's this tension, right, of like, it, it, it is hard to watch and hard to, like, fully feel and incorporate into, like, the way that you see the world because it's, it, it's really painful. And, and at the same time, like, we, we need to hold that pain and, and not let the world and, and our country and our politicians especially, sort of f- forget it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and that's a tension that I feel really profoundly when it comes to what's happening in Syria, in particular, because again, it is this like, it so rarely crosses our consciousness. But as you say, it's it's been happening for years and years and years at this point. So um, yeah, it's it's hard, but I think it's important to
1: to not look away, I guess, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think it's it's a good thing that it's getting so much coverage. Um, I think it's, it brings to the fore just how critical it is that um, we pay attention to what's happening in, in that part of the world um, so that you know we can intervene. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I'm, I am by no means have any um, expertise on foreign policy, but um, I'm, I'm just hoping that something turns um, for the better in that circumstance. Um, to kind of move to a slightly less uh, challenging topic in terms of global issues. Um, I do also have in my mind there's a woman in Boston running the Boston Marathon today, pushing her, um, I think... Her boyfriend, I don't want to say her fiance and like get them engaged before they are, but um, she <laughs> is, um, she's pushing him the full Boston Marathon today. We're recording on Monday. The Boston Marathon is actually next week, um, but they only have a certain amount of spots for um, people who push people in wheelchairs. And so she didn't qualify, um, but that wasn't going to stop her. So she uh, is pushing her boyfriend today. Um, her name I think is Caitlin Kylie, and I'm just like... So um, excited about her doing this! Uh, she'll probably be running by my apartment um, in a little while, so uh, I'm gonna hopefully be able to get out there and, and track her on Instagram and, and give her a cheer. And um, I'm just reminded a little bit in this time of year of just the amazing things that people do to persevere. And the marathon is a really good time to be um, looking at those stories. And and so go, Caitlin, out there today!
0: Amazing. So, um, as you know, Court, a couple weeks ago, we had Lizzie Ulmer from the um, Democratic Attorneys General Association, Uh, and it was incredible to hear from her, right, about all of the work that attorneys general are doing all over the country, how important it is to direct some of our advocacy efforts um, toward their offices and and to understand their role, their critical role in in what's happening at the state level and also at the national level. Um, And then, like, you know, a beautiful rainbow emerging from the sky, (laughs) (laughs) An incredible opportunity opened up. Um, So tell us uh, who you spoke with uh, just a few days ago.
1: Yeah, I was so thrilled to be able to talk to Attorney General Maura Healy. She's the Massachusetts Attorney General, my Attorney General. Um, And she's actually pretty well known on the national scale because she is often at the forefront of leading the kinds of lawsuits that are protecting citizens in Massachusetts, but then um, joining with other states. Um, So you'll see, you would have seen her um, and her office when the Muslim ban was coming down. Um, They've done a number of of DACA fights and they're just, um, she's a really incredible person. Um, she started serving as the AG in Massachusetts in January of 2015, but for seven years before that, she led the attorney general's. She helped to lead the attorney general's office. Um, she began as the chief of the civil rights division and went on to direct two of the office's most prominent divisions, um, the Public Protection and Advocacy Bureau and the Business and Labor Bureau. Um, and I got a chance to talk to her and kind of learn from an attorney general what an attorney general is out there doing. Um, I think we got really good contact from Lizzie the other week, but it was just such a cool opportunity to talk to her um, about not only what she does, but her path to getting there. So cool. I'm really excited that you got to have that conversation, and uh, let's have a listen now. So I am so excited to welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast the Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healy. Welcome.
2: Oh, great to be with you, Courtney.
1: We are absolutely thrilled to have you on the show. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were able to talk to um, Lizzie Ulmer from the Democratic Attorneys General Association, and she um, was talking about how important attorneys general are across the board. And I was wondering if you could um, give us a little bit of kind of behind the curtain. How does an attorney general decide what cases to bring on behalf of the people?
2: Well, you know, our job is really to be the people's lawyer. And what that means is we are there to fight for people's rights, protect consumers, protect students, protect civil rights. In particular, in this time, we find ourselves actually having to fight for and uphold the rule of law and protect the Constitution from a president and a federal administration that is every day, it seems, seeking to take us backwards. And so we make decisions about the kind of cases that we bring based on um, the law, based on the impact that actions are having uh, in our state, and that's why you've seen us file so many lawsuits against the Trump administration.
1: Yeah, so I was, I would imagine that, um, so you became the Attorney General of Massachusetts in January of 2015. So there was a a period of time where you were um, working with the Obama administration in office. Um, How have things been different in the last year and a half? I mean, I would imagine there's always no lack of cases to file, but what has um, changed about the, the landscape that you're working in?
2: Well, we just have a lot more on our plate. I mean, when I took office, uh, my top priority was working to combat the opioid crisis. It remains my top priority, and we do a lot of work on behalf of consumers and, and others um, in our state. But here's what changed, and the change has been really, really significant. I've been in the Attorney General's office for the last 10 years. I was on a team and lead counsel when we actually sued the Obama administration Well. Uh, <laughs> for its uh, defense of DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. Later, of course, the Obama administration took a different position. But it's just to say, Courtney, that I've had experience in this office, whether it was Mass versus EPA, where this office sued George Bush's EPA for its failure to regulate greenhouse gases, or our DOMA lawsuit against the Obama administration. We've sued the federal government before, but we have never seen anything like what we're seeing now. Here's what's happening. Federal agencies, Department of Justice, CFPB, FCC, you, you could just go down through the list, EPA, they are not doing their job. They are not enforcing laws and enforcing rules that are on the books to protect our air, our water, safe food, civil rights, consumers against abuses, you name it. What's worse is that not only has the federal administration, the Trump administration, abdicated their responsibility. They're actually working actively to undermine the authority of state AGs like me to enforce laws that are on the books to protect people. Actually, they're filing cases in court and filing briefs in court that basically take the position that we have no authority to enforce these laws. So it's really, really bad. Um, as I say, we've filed probably 25, 8 lawsuits to date. I, I lose count. Um, wow. But, you know, it's been really important, and we've had wins along the way, stopping the rollback of certain environmental regulations that are there to promote energy efficiency and protect – Um, protect us against methane emissions. We fought the travel ban. We fought to uphold the DACA program and protect dreamers through the courts. We fought the transgender military ban successfully and got that blocked as a result of filing a legal case. And, you know, we've filed many lawsuits against um, the DeVos administration for their failure to protect students against fraudulent practices. So, We've had wins. It's been important that we do our job as attorneys general to uphold the rule of law and to to not be afraid to take on and to challenge illegal or unconstitutional acts, even at the highest levels of government. Hmm.
1: So being someone who lives in Massachusetts, I I see what you, um, in particular, are doing on a regular basis, and I'm interested about the balance of state-level work versus when you're doing federal-level work where you're joining with other states. And I'm asking this question in particular because, um, you know, attorneys general, many of them are elected positions, and I think sometimes people are not necessarily thinking about the impact of that position at your um, state legislative level. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the, um, the interplay of what you do on a state level for the constituents there with how you're joining with other states on, on federal cases.
2: Well, um, here's, here's sort of the, the, the context of all of this. You know, my job is to look out for. Uh, the people of Massachusetts, our residents, our businesses, our economic interests, um, and to make sure that we're enforcing laws that are on the books, both state and federal, by the way. We enforce both state and federal laws. Um, And, you know, that traditionally has been the work of of our office. My focus has been on combating the opioid crisis, on working to reduce health care costs, promoting criminal justice reform. But over the last year and a half, we've had to spend considerable time taking on the Trump administration. Why? Because they're doing things that are harmful to Massachusetts. Look at health care. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts is a state, Courtney, where we pioneered access to universal health care. It's really important to me that people in Massachusetts have access to health care. That's why we sued against the president's efforts to sabotage the Affordable Care Act. It's why we sued when he threatened to cut off Medicaid payments into our state, because those actions directly impact and adversely impact people here. Women's access to reproductive health care and contraception. We file a lawsuit seeking to block that from happening because Massachusetts cares about ensuring that women have access to reproductive health care. Look at our our work when it comes to the environment. Anytime Scott Pruitt takes actions that undermine the Massachusetts clean energy economy, where we have more clean energy jobs in Massachusetts than total coal jobs across the entire country, we're going to take action. And you know, wow, I that is quite a statistic. List. <laughs> you know, what's a good example, too? Immigration, because we were hmm. uh, among the first in court um, within hours to, to to block the travel ban. You right. know, the impact here, of course, was severe uh, in terms of the fear and anxiety it created for immigrant communities. But think about our major teaching hospitals who have STAR Research Fellows Uh, from overseas Mm -hmm. who are looking to come here, students who are looking to attend our colleges and universities in Massachusetts, our life sciences and tech companies that really rely on a global workforce. And so when we had, uh, the situation with the travel ban come up, it's those entities that I heard from complaining. And, and in fact, when we were in court, we had affidavits from all of those institutions, higher ed, our major teaching hospitals, research institutions, and major Massachusetts businesses joining with us to say that Donald Trump's actions around the travel ban hurt the Massachusetts economy and hurt our interests. And that's why we take them to court. So mm. I don't separate, you know, federal actions uh, directly impact Uh, actions and and results on on the state and local level. And that's why we have to be willing to challenge bad actions by the federal government while we take on actions that are here, whether it's a business that is, you know, acting in deceptive ways or ripping people off or somebody stealing from uh, an elderly person. Um, You know, it doesn't really matter. My job is to make sure that, that we're going after those who are doing things that violate the law and harm people here in Massachusetts.
1: It's so fascinating to hear of the intersections of all of the different parts of um, the Massachusetts community that can be affected by these things, the business community, individuals, and in a variety of different parts of society. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited by hearing about the ways that you're combating um, the infringements on the rights of the people of Massachusetts and and then really as an extension, the rights of people in other states as well. Um, one thing that I am always fascinated by in that Pansuit Nation um, being a, a community where people's personal stories are really um critical to how we communicate with each other. I'd love to talk a little bit about how you um, got into law as a career. I was reading a little bit of your background. So I know that you actually were a professional basketball player in Europe for a little while before law school. Um, So how did you how did you make that switch into law and and then make your way um, into, you know, fighting for the people?
2: Well, you know, I grew up in a small town in New Hampshire, and growing up, both my parents, my mom was a school nurse, and and, uh, my dad worked for the federal government, and later my stepdad uh, coached high school basketball and and taught history. All of them, my parents, were really involved in the community and active, and that was important to me from an early age. Uh, The other thing that I Uh, thought I wanted to be from an early age was in fact a lawyer. (laughs) I remember as a little (laughs) kid I had an opportunity in school to follow uh, a lawyer in town around for a day and sit with her and I just thought it was amazing how she was able to provide direct help and counseling to people who were in need. And so I always had that in the back of my mind. I ended up going to college at Harvard and uh, studied government. I did do that brief detour off to Europe to See the world a little bit. I uh, I wasn't ready to stop playing basketball when I graduated from college, so I got a couple years out of that in Europe, got to see the world. It was a terrific eye-opening experience. But I did return and went to law school, and I love um, you know I love the ability, the capacity as a lawyer to try to be an advocate, especially for those who are vulnerable, those without a voice. It's what drew me after private practice to the attorney general's office, and ultimately it's what led me to run for attorney general because when I was an assistant attorney general here and head of civil rights, I saw firsthand the impact of the law on people's lives, whether it was our successful challenge to Domo or taking on some of the subprime mortgage lenders who really wrecked the economy um, back 10 years ago. You saw the importance of having Somebody there is an attorney general who is going to stand up for fairness, who is going to fight uh, for people, essentially, and, and that's why I feel really privileged to, to run this office and to be able to do this job.
1: That's, um, it's so great and really inspiring to um, hear that arc. And I know that we have a lot of people in the Pantsuit Nation community who have found themselves motivated to run for office and um, stepping up to be representatives in their community. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice for people that are doing this for the first time. Um, I think, am I right that when you ran for Attorney General and won, that was your first run?
2: Yeah, uh, I'd never been on the ballot before. I'd never... Asked anybody for a vote or, or, or raised a dime, um, but I believed that this was a job I could do, that I wanted to do, and I just went for it. And I guess that's what I would encourage anybody who has any interest in running for office to do: go for it. Um, don't wait to be asked because nobody's going to ask you, um, especially as a woman. It just mm. uh, it hasn't been the way this has worked. And I think what is so exciting now is to see how many women are running all across this country, Mm -hmm. uh, challenging incumbents, running to for open seats at all levels. And I think all levels are important. School committee on up. um, All these seats matter. These offices matter. And no matter where you look, there are just fundamentally way too few women in office. We need to be truly a representative democracy. And the numbers are really, really pathetic. So, you know, I look out and I see the thousands of women who are running all across this country, uh, women and people of color, uh, and women of color in particular, and that is so exciting. Um, Anything I can do to promote that, to support that, it's where I want to be. It's why I'm helping lead an effort to recruit more Democratic women to run for attorney general. But Mm. to me it doesn't really matter the seat. Um, We need to encourage more women to run. We need to encourage Uh, others to support and recognize the imperative of having women in office, so much in terms of the problems we're confronting right now as a nation uh, are the results of of policies and actions taken um, by those in elected office, of course. And you know i don't think we'd be seeing or experiencing some of these issues had there been more women in the room in the room mm-hmm. more women around the table uh more women driving and informing policy it's as simple as that
1: Absolutely. And Lizzie was telling us about the um, 1881 initiative, and it seems like such an exciting opportunity to really be pushing for exactly what you're talking about, a significantly more appropriate representation of what our country really looks like, and sort of a, um, you know, getting to the head of the pipeline instead of fixing problems that arise because of poor representation, and then what happens after the fact when it comes to passing laws or enforcing them, but really getting, getting things right the first time by having an appropriate um, appropriate representation in office in the first place. Um, it's, it's so, so important. Yeah, it's, it's critically important. And I think it's really exciting in Pantsuit Nation to see people look around and say, you know, oh, I, I can be that person. Um, and I love how, you know, what you said, don't wait to be asked. I think there's statistics that, that even when women are asked, it takes much longer for them to say yes. Um, so, getting people to really look at their own skill set and look what they have a passion for and, and really go out and do it and know that you can do it um, mm-hmm. is, is really amazing. Um, so, I was hoping to um, hear a little bit about some, what have you, um, with the state of Massachusetts, recently signed on to um, in terms of federal uh, cases that our inter- our listeners might be interested in?
2: Well, we've brought a number of cases. There's a case we're about to bring that challenges the Trump administration's decision around the census. The census is a really important uh, endeavor every 10 years. Census numbers determine the flow of federal dollars and funding into states. They also determine how electoral votes are going to be apportioned. Really, really important. And what has been crystal clear is that, You don't mess around when it comes to counting people. Under the Constitution, everybody in your state needs to be counted. Well, in an effort to, uh, frankly, target blue states and suppress the vote, uh, Donald Trump has decided, alongside Wilbur Ross, that they're going to add questions to the census this year for the first time uh, since the Voting Rights Act was passed that ask about citizenship study after study show, and both Republicans and Democrats who've worked in prior administrations acknowledge that this is going to undermine and misrepresent the census count. And so this is uh, not only very bad for democracy, it's also illegal. And so we're challenging that as unconstitutional. We filed uh, challenges recently around the contraception rule so that the federal government can't just cut off access under the guise of religious freedom to necessary reproductive health care. We've been in court against the EPA. Uh, Probably next week we'll be in court having to challenge their efforts to further reduce fuel efficiency standards. We've Mm -hmm. uh, sued Betsy DeVos for canceling a rule that protects defrauded student borrowers from further fraud. Um, And there are so many issues from Uh, Continued work around DACA and and making sure that that program stays in place. We recently received an order from the court to protect that program and to protect uh, DREAMers. Um, I expect that we may have some more litigation now that the president has renewed what was his first failed effort to institute a transgender military ban. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to continue to see um, necessary actions and lawsuits by our office Uh, alongside other state AGs when it comes to the federal government.
1: Well, I cannot thank you enough for the work that you and your office um, does to stand up for us um, in these areas. All of the issues that you just listed, um, for the most part, are things that we've talked about on the podcast before. In particular, we were talking recently about the, the census question, and it's just so good to hear that your office is standing up against these things that we're talking about. I think sometimes people can feel a little bit like, "What do we do?" and it sounds like one of the most important things to do is really be paying attention to what the attorney generals in your state are doing and who is in the office of attorney general because you are really the front lines of these critical fights that are helping some of our most vulnerable um, fellow people in this country. Um, and I, I can't thank you enough for joining us on the podcast today. Um, is there a place where people can follow what your office is doing, whether that's on social media or through a website?
2: Sure, Uh, I encourage people to follow us on social media. Uh, through my website, mauraheeley.com, or through my Massachusetts Attorney General's uh, site as well. Um, but, you know, I want people to know a couple things. One, while we live in really difficult and challenging times, I think that there is this amazing energy out there, this amazing movement out there. I was recently in D.C. for the March for Life, and I spent a lot of time with some of the Parkland students and other survivors of gun violence. And the energy that's out there Uh, as seen through Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Time's Up, and now what's happening when it comes to gun sense, that is powerful and it is real. I also want people to know that they have agency. This is a democracy, and we have to make that so by getting people to register to vote and then getting to the polls every election. Uh, not just waiting for the presidential, every election matters. We need to encourage the teaching of civics in our schools so that young people grow up with an idea of what actually is true when it comes to representations that are being made by candidates. And I want Mm. people to know that there are actions that they can take at the local level that are of consequence. Find organizations to support in your area that are doing good work. Get involved and know who's running on your school committee. Get involved and certainly do everything, of course, that uh, I'd hope you could to support Democratic AGs, particularly women, um, and women candidates everywhere. Because fundamentally, you know, so much about what we've seen, if you look at Me Too, uh, In the movement, that's about an imbalance of power and the failure uh, to have women in in places of power, in boardrooms, running companies, in Congress, and in government. And we need to change the culture around that. And the best way to do that is really at the ballot box. And I'm looking forward to this fall. I'm going to continue to work hard for candidates um, all around the country, women in particular, uh, but I want people to believe that they have the agency, they have the power, and this election, I think, has created a terrific opportunity for us to seize that and to drive that, and know that I'm going to continue to be on the front lines as an AG out there fighting for the rule of law, challenging a president who seems to think he's above the law. And we've won. Uh, we've won already, and we're going to continue to fight this fight and, and see it through because this is about our democracy and this is about our future. And I think our future is bright uh, if we make it so.
1: Absolutely. There, there's your call to action right there, everyone who's listening, um, straight from uh, Attorney General Maura Healy. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And um, I'm just so thrilled that I get to live in Massachusetts and get to cheer you on as um, someone who's standing up for the people in my state and vulnerable people across the country. And thank you again for coming on the podcast today.
2: Hey, great. Great to be with you. And shout out to Pantsuit Nation. Love the advocacy. Love the activism. (laughs) Keep it going. Thank you so much. Have a good day. All right. You too. Great to talk to you, Courtney.
1: This week's episode of the Pantsuit Nation podcast is brought to you by Tomboy X. Tomboy X makes really great underwear. It's comfortable, it's stylish, it comes in a variety of sizes, shapes, and colors. So you can get bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts. I'm partial to the boy shorts. Uh, Soft bras and racerback bras, and they come in basic colors, really bright, brilliant colors, and fun seasonal prints. And all the options come in extra small to 4 X. So regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. Go to TomboyX.com Nation and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Pantsuit Nation listeners get an extra 15% off with the code Nation. Again, the code Nation for an extra 15% off. So ditch what you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear, upgrade your underwear drawer, make yourself feel comfortable and look great. So go to TomboyX.com Nation. So I'm still a little bit on cloud 9 from having talked to Attorney General Hearley. She's definitely one of my heroes um and I feel really really proud to be a person in Massachusetts and I also feel really lucky um to have an attorney general who's fighting for the people in my state on a regular basis. Um so this is uh, that was just a wonderful opportunity to talk to her. It I remember so in court when we like we started the podcast you were like
0: Maybe we can get more Healy. <laughs> I feel like she was like one of the very <laughs> first people that was like a big, you know, goal for us. And so um, Absolutely. I'm really it was excited like too.
1: Oprah, Maura Healy, <laughs> Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton. So, you know, we're, we're two doing for good. four. Yep. Yeah. Doing pretty good. P.S. Oprah, <laughs> P.S.
0: Michelle Obama. Our I know. Schedules are open. <laughs> Shoot me a message on Twitter. Right. We're ready. <laughs> All right. So let's um let's transition into our call to action. And then I'm just gonna get right into it if that's okay with you, Court. Go for it. Okay, so the Senate has to block the confirmation of Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State. Pompeo has endorsed the use of torture, he's pushed anti-Muslim policies, he's opposed the nuclear deal with Iran, and he's shown an eagerness to support Trump's military escalation. He's voted to ban abortion and common forms of birth control, and he does not represent American values, he should not represent us as Secretary of State. It's like breaking my heart a little bit to think back of... Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. I anyway, know. it's like Ugh. this is not the way that society and like progress moves. Okay, so back to what we can do about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're at a, a pivotal a pivotal moment uh, when the United States has to pursue diplomacy and not war. And Mike Pompeo is dangerous, plain and simple the Senate must reject him. Senate Democrats can stop him, but we need to put pressure on them to do so. So you can call 855-971-2300 and get connected to your senators and demand they block the appointment of Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State. There's lots of resources, lots of petitions. We always recommend making a phone call over a petition. So take that time out of your day, make a phone call. um, And, you know, urgency on this
1: one, please, all of our listeners take action. Absolutely. I did. Um, I called this phone number earlier today. You know, I do a little test run to make sure that it will work. And you just uh, pop in your zip code, and it will give you the option to connect to your senators. It's super easy. Um, It doesn't take a lot of time. And just let them know that you want them to block the confirmation of Mike Pompeo. And it's particularly critical that um, the Democratic senators get on board with this, um, that that's the way to block this confirmation. And we really need to be, um, as Libby said, thinking about a secretary of state that is moving us forward rather than moving us backward. And get on Twitter and, you know, on
0: social media. There's going to be a lot of efforts to uh, get this issue trending, get in front of a lot of people. So once you make your phone call, go on to Twitter. Um, if you go to at Pantsuit Nation, we'll have mm-hmm. um, some tweets that you can retweet, making it clear and simple. Um, so yeah, step one, make your phone calls. Step two, social shame all of your friends and followers to do the same.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, FOMO, but slash social shame. Yeah. Um, Get everybody going. All right. So, Lib, this is my favorite time of the podcast, the celebratory time um, to give out the golden pantsuit. So, you ready for this week? Yeah. Can't wait. All right, so we actually have two um, because one is really timely, and I want to make sure that I'm shouting out this person. Um, so the first one is Aaron Bailey. So, Aaron Bailey is an 18 year old high school senior in Columbus, Indiana, which you may recognize as the hometown of our notoriously anti gay vice president, Mike Pence. And Erin um, is doing something really awesome. She has organized Columbus's first ever Pride Festival. So she's doing this as a project that she needs to do in her community to graduate from high school. And was um, the assignment was essentially do something that benefits the community. And she said, you know, we've never had a Pride Festival, and she's involved with um, the LGBTQ community in her in her area. Um, and so she decided to throw this festival. So it's this Saturday, April fourteenth. You can check out um, the event on. Facebook. So just go on Facebook and and Google Columbus Pride Festival. Um, And, you know, what Erin is really trying to do is show that her community isn't defined by the kind of bigotry that you see in Mike Pence, that there are people in her community that are members of the LGBT community that are supportive of that community um, and really want to come together for this event. So, uh, golden pantsuit to Aaron for getting out there and kind of being the change that we want to see, as we always um, always talk about. So, really excited to support that. And if you're in the area, check it out. Awesome. I hope it's a I big know. turnout. I know. I hope so. There's like 700 people um, that have replied that they're going to the event on Facebook as of right now. But there's like 1,500 um, people that are interested. So mm-hmm. I hope all those 1,500 people show up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got another one this week um, – you know, just want to hit on this timely, um, you know, while it's in the news moment. So recently a video surfaced of motivational speaker Tony Robbins um, saying that women were using the Me Too movement as a way to make themselves feel significant. Um, So I like, motivational speakers in general are like weird to me. Like I, it feels like pretty scammy that he just like Fills giant auditoriums full of people, and I don't really know exactly what's.
0: He going was on my there. high school graduation speaker. Just Stop. I feel like I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. Oh my it god! It was so weird. I can't wow. like. I know. Anyway, that is well. That brings a whole new dimension. I know. To this. I know. Um,
0: I well, anyway, yes. Yeah. So,
1: so he says this thing in this auditorium, not even an auditorium. It's like a stadium filled with thousands of people um, and one woman in the audience was just like not gonna let that stand. Um, she stood up to Tony Robbins like literally stood in front of him with a microphone um, and he's six feet seven inches tall like this a is not guy. just yeah. yeah he's a big dude he's got that like big deep voice um, and she just wasn't gonna let him slander the movement so um, this is just a really short clip of Nadine's strength in that moment and um, we'll We'll come back in a second after we hear just Nadine's Nadine's little voice. Not little voice. Big voice. You are and an influential man, and you are doing a disservice, in my opinion, to me, too. So as you can hear on there, um, Nadine basically says you know no i'm not going to let you do this and there's an incredible video that now this created you can check it out on twitter um that kind of arcs through the whole interaction but there's a longer video an 11 minute video on youtube where you can see that they basically go back and forth for almost 10 minutes where she just won't let him um you know make the kind of excuses that he's making and saying you know i'm not call- i'm not um attacking the movement I'm attacking victimhood and she's just like no 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 (laughs) (laughs) and keeps kind of the same thing buddy yeah yeah Yeah, exactly um so I just I had to give um Nanine McCool the golden pantsuit this week for just standing up for what she believes in speaking truth to a very powerful man um so golden pantsuit to Nanine amazing good ones (laughs) court
0: thanks Okay, so that uh, brings us to the end of the episode for this week. So a huge thank you to our guest, Attorney General Maura Healy, to our sponsor Tomboy Axe, and of course to our incredible team at Cadence 13, who edits out all of our weird
1: things that happen (laughs) that you usually don't hear. So thank you. (laughs) Please keep in the part about Tony Robbins being Libby's uh, (laughs) graduation speaker. (laughs)
0: Uh, If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you uh, would like, please do leave us a review. That helps other listeners find us Um, and the more the merrier in Pantsuit Nation.
1: You can visit us at PantsuitNation.org and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PantsuitNation. And our Medium page is Medium.com slash PantsuitNation. We will be back next week with another guest and even more calls to action. And remember that this democracy is your democracy. So stay engaged and get out there to uh, Columbus Pride Festival. That would be amazing. (laughs) Have a good weekend, Liv. (laughs) Bye, Quark. It's Monday. What am I talking about? Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.